The EPL show on the Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Winning season continues at MyBookie, and they're now offering a free $20 bet with the promo code SGP20. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP20 to get a free $20 bet with your first deposit. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use the promo code SGP for an instant deposit match up to $50. That's thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP, sign up and prop up today. And finally, we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Just head over to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Uh, from Liverpool, actually, they, they would become, if they won this game, the, the first team in Premier League history to, to win their first four games in three consecutive seasons. But Villa will be out to stop them and continue their uh, little run before the international break. That's hit with quite a lot of pace by Robertson for Adrian, who's nearly given it away. He has given it straight to Grealish. Great chance now for Villa. Watkins, surely, yes! Adrian makes the error. And boy, was it punished. And then he picks out Grealish. Grealish outside the boot. It's a great ball. Watkins now with Trezeguet in the middle. Will he go it alone? Ollie Watkins sets himself looking for number two and driving into the top corner. Grealish for Watkins. And how about that? In a difficult position. Was there a foul there? Referee? No, nothing given. Here's Jota now. Jota for Liverpool. Plays the pass. Tries to bring it under his control there. Does Cater and it's Mo Salah who's... Here's the corner kick taken by Barkley, headed away, and the shot through a ruck of bodies takes a deflection and in! John McGinn, he'll be claiming that! What a performance this is, 39th minute, they're looking for a fourth, you wouldn't bet against it, and Ollie Watkins has scored a hat-trick against Liverpool! Oh yes, deadly! Villa... Hunting their first goal of the second half. Grealish for Barkley. Barkley's going to pull the trigger. It takes a deflection into the corner. It is five. Here now come Liverpool. Ball spotted for Salah. Salah who should score and does. They've got another one back. And Salah has his second of the night. And he loses out. Ollie Watkins now. Can he return the compliment for Grealish? Grealish into the penalty area. Shot deflection. It's in. It's number six. Well, how about this? Having done so much hard work to get to this stage. McGinn, don't think the scoring's over. Should be number seven here. Jack Grealish, surely on that. This one, the skipper. Yes! Aston Villa in seventh heaven against Liverpool. Captain Jack. Bruno Fernandes scored a penalty at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last season. And he's done it at Old Trafford. Lamella. On the hunt here to try and win it, unconvincing from Manchester United, and Tony Ndombele has levelled the game. What a massive moment for the Frenchman, and what a start to this game. It's only opening four or five minutes. Uh, Kane is caught by Maguire, and he thinks quickly, and he sets away Son. It's the old combination again, and it's worked for Spurs. Remarkable as Shinmin Son. A surprise starter makes it 2-1. Anthony Taylor is pulling out a red card. Anthony Martial is the player off here. Well, it's a little knock around the face of Eric Lamella. Son spurs in. Kane! It has been a devastating two minutes for Manchester United. Reduced to ten men. And now Harry 
Harry Kane has scored. Spurs lead by three goals to one. Penalty area. The man is free in the middle, but Sean will get there instead, and he scored again. A first half to remember for Tottenham Hotspur. Sean has a second. Tottenham Hotspur have a fourth. It's aware that that might pop out to him. Hoybier, great ball. Aurier's in, and he scored it. It's a day that deserves an away end. A remarkable performance on the road. Tottenham Hotspur lead at Old Trafford by five goals to one. Ben Davis charges forward here. Still Ben Davis. Oh, and he's brought down in the penalty area. Harry Kane will step up to take the penalty. Remember the scenes. Remember the scoreline. Spurs have six at Manchester United. Yeah, shocking, shocking scenes. Uh, 7-2. Aston Villa beat Liverpool and Man United lost at home to Tottenham 6-1. So we're going to breeze through the housekeeping and we're going to talk about it. This is the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You are listening to the EPL Show. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. Check out my website, lockbetting.com. I will make you money every single month. And the locks on the Soccer Gambling Podcast are flying at the moment. Overall, in the 2020-21 season on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, we are 26-4 and four with our locks. 26 and four, and we are currently on an eight and one run. We look to continue it going at the end of the show. Our 100% lock run on the EPL show was ended by Manchester United, and that is what we will transition onto. We did land uh, Wolves as part of the double lock, but we did not land Man United. Possibly the worst performance I've ever seen as a Man United fan, and I realize that we've been tonked many times before, but this was worrying because. It was the same thing over and over and over again. Tottenham getting through on the high line, Kane and Song, and we'd already seen it. We'd already had the scouting report on it. We'd seen it done to Southampton. But what did we do? We defended atrociously and allowed Tottenham, yes, Tottenham, to hit us 4-6. It was only made softer by just a few hours later, Liverpool losing 7-2. And that almost gave Man United fans a get-out like it was okay, like it was some kind of freak day. But this beating was coming. We should have lost to Brighton. We shouldn't have those three points. We should have three losses. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should be out of the job. I don't know how we address these problems this week. I don't know how we win this game against Newcastle. We don't look like we can defend. We're going to be without Anthony Martial. Cavani can't play that game. We don't look like we can break teams down. We look like we can concede every time teams are on the attack. And I don't know if this is a problem that's going to magically go away. And I'm not sure if I even want it to go away. Because as a supporter, you should blindly support your teams at all times. But... We continue to get out of this just as Solskjaer looks to be getting the boot. I don't know if I actually just want him to get the boot now and whether I want these bad results to just spiral out of control. We've got Newcastle this week. Then we've got Chelsea and Arsenal. And these are all games where we could drop more points. And if we do, 
he's very likely to go. And I almost feel that's the best case scenario because this is a manager who will never, ever, ever win us the Premier League. Same way I feel about Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't succeeded at Cardiff. He hasn't succeeded in Norway. So why is he going to come to Manchester United and be able to uh, succeed at this job? I just don't see it happening. It's too many peaks and valleys, too many ups and downs. We recover, we look good temporarily, and then we spiral downwards into this kind of form and look the way we do at the moment. I mean, last season we were talking about how we'd sorted out our defence and how Wan-Bissaka and Harry Maguire looked like they had sorted out our defence and we looked defensively capable of keeping clean sheets. Harry Maguire looks like a fucking pub player. Wan-Bissaka looks like he doesn't want to be there. Wan-Bissaka doesn't look like he's worth 5 million, let alone 50 million. This is a joke. This is the worst I've ever seen it. And Honestly, it takes some doing for me to get to the point where I'm not sure whether I want to get a result this weekend because I so badly want to see the back of Solskjaer. Because Solskjaer, as much as he's a legend, as much as he's a hero, as much as he's a player that won us the Champions League, I don't want to see him any longer as the Manchester United manager. It's too big for him. The players don't play for him. They play on and off. I feel sorry for Bruno Fernandes because he looks like a player that's trying. He looks like a player that should be our captain from the things he says on social media and the interviews he does and the way he conducts himself on the pitch. Harry Maguire shouldn't be the captain of his club. I'm not giving up on Maguire. I don't think he's a bad defender because he had a bad start to the season, mainly because of probably the incident that took place in Greece during the preseason where he was arrested and all of the controversy that went with that. And it's probably affected Maguire because he looks nothing like the player last season. Yes, we were solid defensively. Yes, Maguire was playing better and he was formulating a partnership with Lindelof. Lindelof shouldn't be anywhere near any top six team in the Premier League. We needed a centre-back and we didn't sign one and we're being punished for it now. Instead, we bought a left-back because Luke Shaw simply can't keep himself fit and it's been a joke over and over and over again and Mourinho called him out for it and our supporters criticised for Mourinho for, for criticising Luke Shaw for his injuries and for being a fat piece of shit. Well, now we've had to go and sign another left-back. Because that's the situation we put ourselves in. And we signed Cavani to solve our goal-scoring problems. Cavani hasn't had a club for six months and PSG didn't want him. And you can release as many fitness videos as you want, but it worries me if PSG didn't want a player and, and deemed him surplus to requirements, why we've signed him and why we didn't get Jordan Sancho passed and through as a transfer and did we even need Jordan Sancho anyway when our defending is so atrocious where did we need players did Ole Gunnar Solskjaer identify that did the board trust him if they don't trust him why is he the manager of Manchester United it's time to go and as I said I'm really on the fence as to what kind of result I want this weekend and we'll break that down that game down when we come to it we'll start with Everton versus Liverpool and this gives us an opportunity to talk about Liverpool here and their 7-2 defeat against Aston Villa Everton are the 14-5 underdogs here. It's 16-5 the draw. And Liverpool are the 8-11 favourites to win this game. Now, right off the back of that 7-2 defeat, I looked at Liverpool as, as plus money favourites at 11-10 and thought they would be a good bet coming out of this international window. And especially when all the public... And generally, people were of the opinion that Everton had a great chance to beat Liverpool. Well, historically, Everton don't beat Liverpool. They haven't done for a long time. But now that Liverpool are installed as 8-11 to favourites, and that's probably some sharp money that's come in. And when you look at the situation of Alisson not being available to play and Adrian still playing in goal, Everton's recent form, and the fact that if you look closely at the data, specifically at Goodison Park, Seven of the last eight meetings have ended in draws. Everton have lost just one of their last eight home meetings at Liverpool. So the guys have been close. 
They've been close. Everton have been close to getting this done. Even though the record looks poor because Everton haven't won any of those games, you could you could reverse it the other way and say Everton haven't beaten Liverpool for eight home games. Well, they've also only lost once, so seven draws. Could this now be the deciding factor? Alisson not being in goal, Liverpool being in poor form, and Everton just being a completely different team who have won all of their last seven competitive games and have been backed into an even bigger underdog price than they were before the international window. I have begun to really like Everton here. For me, the double chance is an absolute no-brainer. Everton at even money to avoid a defeat against a Liverpool team that don't seem to be able to defend. That high line against Aston Villa was absolutely exposed. Now, Liverpool like to play the press and they like to play the high line. So I'm going to tactically explain to you something that I've probably been over numerous times because... I've been very much against Liverpool and I've been talking about for some time about Liverpool being found out. And this was the game where they were completely found out. I mean, they conceded seven goals. And here's the tactical reason why Liverpool lost 7-2. When you press and you press with Salah and Mane, and Mane wasn't playing against Aston Villa, which is very important, you press hard. And when you press hard, it encourages the team to get rid of the ball quickly and just clear it up the pitch. And when you're constantly clearing the ball away, you're giving possession back to Liverpool and they'll come again and again and again. Alternatively, if you press hard, teams may try and play out from the back and that's even worse because Liverpool thrive on teams that try and play football at the back because they will be pressed by Mane and Salah, and shortly by Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, they will get possession back in their third, in the other team's third, and they will score goals like that. They will destroy you like that, and that is work for them. That is heavy metal football. But when you don't press hard, these teams can play football at the back, or they don't need to blast it down the other end of the pitch. They can play balls into the midfield, and once teams progress into the midfield area, then it becomes Liverpool's high back line versus the opposing team's midfield, and then it becomes a straight race. It becomes a straight race between the forwards and the back line. And on this particular day, Ollie Watkins and the Aston Villa forward line exposed this Liverpool high line and an attack that was not oppressing efficiently as they usually do without Sadio Mane. That led to Liverpool being beaten 7-2. And that is the tactical reasoning behind why that result happened. And that's been coming for a long time. Because this Liverpool team are beginning to look like a team who are easy to play against. This Liverpool team will get tired. This Liverpool team, if they cannot press the way they should press, if they cannot periodically press at the right times and they become lazy with their press, then they're going to be exposed in a midfield area where their back line is way, way too high and teams are going to be able to get at them over the top. So that is the way that Liverpool are going to get exposed. Unless they do away with the high line and play a flat back four, which is going to be a detriment to them because then you're not going to have Trent and Robertson pressing forward along with the wingers. So your fullbacks are not going to be able to get up as high. So it's going to leave Van Dijk and Gomez exposed by themselves. And Gomez was totally exposed by Ollie Watkins. I know we're giving Lindelof shit. And I know Lindelof isn't a player who should be in the top six. And Joe Gomez is given a lot of praise all the time. And he's been touted as England's centre-back partnership with Harry Maguire. Well, if England are going to play with this Joe Gomez and this Harry Maguire, then England are in big trouble in the Euros, especially when you've got Jordan Pickford behind them. So these are all three players who have started the season poorly 
And as much as Liverpool have a poor goalkeeper in this matchup, Jordan Pickford is a concern as well because I can see this game being decided by Jordan Pickford mistake. So we're going to need Jordan Pickford to not make that mistake in order for Everton to come through and win this game or just to simply come through for us here on the double chance. But the double chance at 11 to 10 plus money is definitely the way I would be going with this one. I'm hesitant to back Everton as an underdog, so they won't be the underdog later on in the show, even though they are in such good form. And yes, the public are right and the casuals are right. This is a great opportunity for Everton. But look, it's been 10 years and 22 matches since Everton last won this Merseyside derby. And now you're looking at this situation. It would be way too easy to pile on to Everton. The the smart bettors haven't. The smart bettors or the sharp bettors are, are going on to Liverpool. But look, Sharps in the EPL certainly don't have as much success as Sharps in the NFL. So I wouldn't necessarily follow along that Sharp money. They're just taking Liverpool off a loss. They're looking at Liverpool to bounce back off this 7-2. I don't think it's going to be as simple as that. Liverpool, like Manchester United, have big, big problems. Big tactical problems in that they're not perfectly implementing the tactic that has made them successful over the last two years. Now, Sadio Mane returns to the Liverpool team this week. Thiago Alcantara returns to the Liverpool team this week. That's going to be important because Alcantara is the player that they've been missing that can pick the through balls that can do damage to teams. Sadio Mane will press. He'll press and he'll press and he'll press and he'll press until he has a heart attack. He will work his balls off throughout this entire game. You're not going to have that level of complacency that you've had at Aston Villa. Plus, this is a Merseyside derby. It's for all the bragging rights. So there's lots of reasons here to take Liverpool. And I can understand why that sharp money's gone on. So I'm not going to do either. I'm not going to go for Everton. I'm not going to go for Liverpool here. I'm going to just simply take Everton to avoid a defeat. I think this game may play out in a draw, which would be the eighth of the last nine at Everton that have gone into a draw. Um, as much as I would love to take Everton here, as much as I want to jump on the, the bandwagon of the public, the sharp money does worry me. The sharp money does make sense. Liverpool are going to be a different outfit than they were to the team that lost 7-2 to Villa. And that's not just me blindly going along with seeing the odds moving. That's me offering tactical analysis here as to why this game will be different. As I said, Liverpool are very different when they press the back line and make them make mistakes. And Sadio Mane was a key player that was missing and he will draw those mistakes. But at the same time, it's difficult to take Liverpool to win when they haven't got Alisson here and Everton are such an attacking team. So Everton on the double chance at plus money will be the official play for this game. And let's hope that Everton do get that win because I'd love to see Liverpool lose back-to-back games, especially losing to Everton. Up next, we look at Chelsea versus Southampton where Chelsea are the 4-7 to favourites to win this game. It's 7-2 on the draw and it's 5-1 to on Southampton. It's a tricky game for, for Chelsea to come back to because they'd have had more players in Southampton away on the international break. Um, obviously, when you sign all of these high-quality players, you're going to lose them all for this international window. I think it's a game that pretty much guarantees goals. Three of Chelsea's four Premier League games this season have produced at least four goals. Uh, Chelsea have won seven of the last eight home games. So they are decent at home. That was something that we weren't saying for most of last season. But in this post-lockdown period, they have been a lot better behind closed doors, especially at home, where they have won seven of the last eight in the Premier League. 
Danny Ings is uh, someone I've pulled up here because he's in my fantasy team. He scored six of the last nine. He scored in six of his last nine top flight appearances. And Chelsea have scored three or more goals in three of their four Premier League games this season. So they drew that blank against Liverpool. But in all of the other games, they have managed to find the net three times. I highly expect this game to go over. In fact, you can get the over 3.5 goals in this one at 6 to 4, or you can play the Asian line. The Asian line is 3 and you can get plus money on the over there at 21 to 20. If you just want to take it at two and a half, you can get that at three to five. Obviously, that's a lot more chalky, but I do think we'll see a load of goals in this one. I predict that we see a load of goals in the, the last match day of the Premier League, and we did. And it looks like we'll see a good few here. Probably not as many, but there are some games that look like they will deliver goals, and this will certainly be one of them. Up next, we look at Manchester City versus Arsenal, where Manchester City are looking for payback for the FA Cup semi-final. They're 1-2 here to win at home to Arsenal. It's 4-1 the draw, and it's 11-2 on Arsenal. You still worry about City without Sergio Aguero because they still don't seem to be able to to find the net. Um, defensively, it did look a little bit better last time out with, with Ruben Diaz, but they still have only won one game out of their first two Premier League games back. They were unable to beat Leeds last time, played out to a one-all draw. Both teams have scored in six of these teams combined seven Premier League matches this season. Both Arsenal and Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, sorry, have averaged exactly two goals per game this season. So everything here points to goals in this game. But Manchester City's history against Arsenal has been pretty dominant. If you take away that FA Cup semi-final, Arsenal have been dominated in this fixture. So you would think that it reverts to type. Uh, you can take Manchester City and both teams to score here at 13-8. to eight, Or you can just take the both teams to score at 4-6. to six. But I do fancy Manchester City to get things back on track here. And Arsenal represents a good opportunity for them to do so. Revenge will also be on their mind from the FA Cup semi-final. I think it will be a monumental achievement if Mikel Arteta can avoid a defeat here and he can go back-to-back games either uh, avoiding defeat against Manchester City or even more impressively beating them. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Manchester City uh, will be concerned about the statuses of Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne. Both didn't play in the international window. De Bruyne limped out of the first, of the second Belgian game, sorry, and didn't play in the third one. He was out and Sterling didn't play at all. So their statuses are on a knife edge and monitor that as closely as you can. I'm going to be monitoring it for my clients because there could be an opportunity here to get Arsenal at a really good price on the double chance because I don't see Manchester City winning this game without those two players. They have really evolved into their two most important players. And yeah, they can bring in Foden, and Mares and Gabriel Jesus will play. But De Bruyne is such an important creative playmaker. And Liverpool over the years have managed to get away with not having that playmaker. They do have him now in Thiago, but they just pressed so hard and they were all in sync and they knew what their fullbacks are doing. Manchester City have been notoriously poor with their fullback recruitment. Yes, Carl Walker has been a forever present at right back, but his legs seem to have gone a little bit over the last two, three years and they have been looking for a replacement for him. 
Cancelo certainly hasn't fit the bill. Uh, left-back's been a nightmare with Jintenko and Mendy not establishing themselves as top Premier League players. The centre-back pairings have been a mess with Laporte still looking for a partner. They do now have Ruben Diaz, who they managed to sign. And what was unbelievable about that signing is that Manchester United had the in. They had the in through Bruno Fernandes to um, the Portuguese in to get Ruben Diaz. They probably could have had Cristiano Ronaldo sell the club for them, much like he did to Bruno Fernandes. But still, Diaz ends up going to Manchester City and we miss out on the centre-back that we badly need. So he's now a Manchester City player. Unbelievable. And um, yeah, keep an eye on everything here. I'm going to initially pick both teams to score, but I'm really going to watch the team news here regarding Sterling and De Bruyne. And I don't know enough information as I record this show at the moment, even though I did wait as long as possible to put these shows out because of the international break. And this was two of the key players I was waiting on. There still isn't any definite information as to whether De Bruyne and Sterling are going to participate in this game on Saturday. Up next, we do move on to Newcastle versus Manchester United, where Man United are the 8-13 favourites here to win this game. It's 15-4 on Newcastle, and it's 3-1 the draw. You can't back Man United. You certainly can't back Man United at close to minus one, or, or worse than minus 150, 4-6 here. Um, I think the safest thing to do here would be to take Manchester United to score in this game and for Manchester United to concede in this game, because the way they've defended recently... There's absolutely no way that you can take Manchester United to keep a clean sheet. But they have managed to score in each of their Premier League games this season. So I would think that that is a solid bet, especially when you're getting it around 4-5, minus 125 here. Both teams have scored in all three of Manchester United's Premier League games this season, with Manchester United conceding a ridiculous 11 goals so far in their three games. Newcastle have scored in three of their four league games and have only kept one clean sheet. So I was talking about at the start of the season how Steve Bruce was under a little bit of pressure to make this team a more an attack, a more of an attack-minded team. And he certainly has taken that on board and he has added attacking options and they do look a lot more attack-minded, although that's come at the expense of keeping less clean sheets because of the style has changed. And Newcastle have averaged 1.5 goals per game this season, while Man United have actually averaged 1.6 goals per game. So Man United are scoring, but they're just defensively atrocious. Uh, they won't keep a clean sheet here. Newcastle will score. Hopefully they won't score enough goals to win this game. But as I said, not too sure exactly how I want this to play out because I do want to see the back of Solskjaer and perhaps losing to Newcastle, maybe the final nail in the coffin. Um, but I don't think it will be. I think we will wait to see what happens in those Chelsea and Arsenal games before we do bring in anybody else. Who's really available? I think only Mauricio Pochettino would be the main man that we'd be looking at in this situation. Um, unbelievably, as if we don't play enough for Premier League football here in the UK, we already have to pay for Amazon Prime. We have to pay for Sky Sports. We've had to pay for Sky Sports since 1992 because they were the ones that have always had the Premier League. Then BT Sports came along and took some games. So we now had to have three subscriptions. And now one game a week is going to be on pay-per-view. And this is going to be the first pay-per-view game in the UK. $14.99, $22 to watch Newcastle versus Manchester United on Saturday night at 8pm. Absolutely ridiculous don't understand how this league managed to justify. Obviously, this is my job and obviously this is my team. I will end up paying the $14.99, but I'm not happy about it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that supporters are being made to pay this when we're already paying for Sky, BT and Amazon Prime. It's a fucking joke. $14.99 for an extra game. Newcastle Man United on pay-per-view. Uh, but it will be a good game with loads of goals. And I'm taking uh, both teams to score here 
at four to five. Uh, I have no pick on the game because I'm really torn. I don't know what I want to happen here. If Man United win, obviously I'm not going to be unhappy about it because we do need the points. But the silver lining, obviously, of dropping points here or losing this game would be that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets closer to that exit door. As I said, I love Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He won us the Champions League. He's a hero. He will always be a legend. But He's failed as a manager in Norway. He failed as a manager of Cardiff and he's not going to succeed as a Man United manager. He's had time. It's been an up and down, bumpy ride. At the moment, it doesn't even look like we're going to be able to make the Champions League this season. It's just not good enough. We need a top, top manager. I don't know who's available, possibly Pochettino, but I think that um, I can go either way with this one. If Man United win, I'm happy as a supporter. If Man United don't win, I'm used to it because I've seen us a ship throughout the start of the season and Oli gets closer to the exit door on Saturday. Let me let you know that everything I'm giving out here, you can go and bet over at the sponsor of the Sports Gambling Podcast and the Soccer Gambling Podcast, mybookie.ag. Join now, use our promo code SGP20 and you can grab a free $20 wager with your first deposit and bet on anything in the sports book. Also, don't forget to go and check out Thrive Fantasy. And again, if you like free stuff, you can use our promo code when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant match up to $50 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Play Store or by visiting their website, www thrivefantasy.com sign up and prop up today and don't forget to use our promo code SGP also let me give a shout out here to Ace Per Head if you wanted to start a sportsbook but don't know how Ace is here to help you start that sportsbook they are the leader in paperhead providers and they make it super easy to start that sportsbook they're offering six weeks free and to get it you just need to head over to aceperhead.com slash SGP that's aceperhead.com slash SGP we move over to Sunday here where Sheffield United will be taking on Fulham not the most exciting game, I know. Sheffield United are the 6-5 favourites to win this game. It's 12-5 the draw and it's 13-5 on Fulham. Now, when you're looking at this game, you look at the three outcomes. You can see that Sheffield United winning this game is the most likely. Um, and then we have the draw and then we have Fulham to win. But if we just split this as to if Sheffield United are going to win, yes or no, then Sheffield United to win at 6-5 becomes the underdog price with Fulham to get a win or a draw. So essentially Fulham on the double chance market available at 8-13. How can you grade Fulham at 8-13 to get something at Sheffield United after the season that Sheffield United had last season? Now, granted, they've started this season poorly just like Fulham and the two teams have both had very very poor starts but this has to be the opportunity where Sheffield United get right because when you're looking at teams who may potentially be relegated you are looking at Fulham here as an absolute banker whereas off the back of last season you would be massively surprised to see Sheffield United go down for me this has to be a get right game for them Fulham have lost all four games by an aggregate scoreline of 11-3 this season. Fulham have been trailing for 280 minutes of the 360 minutes of Premier League football they've played this season. And fewer than three goals have been scored in 11 of Sheffield United's 14 Premier League home games. And that is a separate statistic because I think this one is certainly going to lean towards the under. I think we're going to have a very definitive pattern of play here where 
Fulham come to Sheffield United and sense it as their best opportunity to get a point. Sheffield United will definitely sense it as their best opportunity to get a win. I think Fulham may be a little bit more cautious than they usually are, but Sheffield United have to win this game. Plus, it's the debut of Rian Brewster, who they've signed in from Liverpool. I expect him to make some sort of impact in this game. I think this is a gift here from the books to get Sheffield United at 6-5. to five. And the fact that you can get Sheffield United here on the pick market at under 1-2, to two, you can get them here at 8-15. I think that's another gift as well. For me, this is easily Sheffield United here to win this game. And I'll take that at plus money, in fact, on a money line at 6-5. to five. Up next, we have a derby of sorts here with Crystal Palace taking on Brighton, where Crystal Palace are available at 13 to 8. It's 23 to 10, the, door, the draw, and it's 13 to 8 here on Brighton. So, complete and utter pick and match here between Crystal Palace and Brighton. Last season, you would definitely head towards the under for this one because these two teams, they have a rivalry, they find it difficult to score and they would probably cancel each other out. Well, that's not been the case this season because both these teams have been involved in matches that have had a lot of goals. Brighton have seen at least three goals in all four of the Premier League games this season, whereas Palace have seen three or more goals in each of the last three top flight fixtures. And um, that is just not what you associate Crystal Palace to. Brighton, yes, because they are now moving on to this different style of football under Potter. We are now 18 months into the project and we know what Graham Potter's trying to do. And we've seen this Brighton team play against Man United and Man United were absolutely dominated by Brighton. So there are signs that this is working. This is a Brighton team that also went and won away to Newcastle. And I think Newcastle are still a cut above this Crystal Palace team. So I think there may be some value there on Brighton and obviously with this being completely even odds the pick market here says 10 to 11 10 to 11 and uh, I would be leaning towards Brighton here picking up a win in this game but uh, I like the over here and obviously based on the statistical data in the past um, the bookies are leaning towards the under so you're getting the over here at plus money over 2.5 goals here you can get at five to four and if you just take over 2.25 you can get that at 10 to 11 and with over 2.25 if two goals hits and it stays at two goals you get half your money back as well so you don't need the three necessarily obviously if you get the three you get a full cash but you have the security of getting half your money back on two so that's over 2.25 here for this one between Brighton and Crystal Palace sorry Crystal Palace and Brighton is at Crystal Palace but my lean here is for Brighton to go and get a, a win here because I think Brighton have looked a little bit better than Crystal Palace who had the better start but Brighton are playing a better football and I think they could pick this Crystal Palace team apart here on Sunday. Up next, we look at Tottenham versus West Ham. And this could potentially be the debut of Gareth Bale. Tottenham are looking very good off the back of a 6-1 win over Manchester United. They're the 4-6 favourites here, which I think is a generous price. It's 16-5 the draw and it's 4-1 on West Ham. West Ham tend not to do very well in this fixture. They've actually lost four of the last five meetings with Tottenham. Both teams have had lots of goals in their games this season. Tottenham have actually seen both teams scoring in six of their seven competitive matches this season. West Ham have scored in each of their six games in all competitions. But I think Tottenham would have too much firepower for them here. They've got the likes of Kang Song, a potential debut for Gareth Bale. I think this would be a big letdown if Tottenham don't go on and win this game. West Ham haven't done any significant business in this transfer window. I think their supporters would be disappointed with that. And despite the fact they've actually had some decent results now 
including a 3-0 away win against Leicester, which was really surprising. And I think that has been a factor that's moved the line. I don't see West Ham giving that performance again. I don't see West Ham delivering that back-to-back. So it makes me like Tottenham even more here. Tottenham are the team in form. Tottenham are a team that are looking like they are going to get into the top four, certainly more than Manchester United. And I think that the starts that Arsenal of Tottenham have made, and if you could put Everton in that conversation as well, you could put Everton in that bracket, they look like teams that are more likely to get into the top four than Manchester United, who have made a very, very poor start. I think the jury's still out on Chelsea. We'll see what they do over the next um, four to six games. But for me, I'm impressed with Tottenham. They look like a stable team. They look like they are going to sort things out defensively, even though both teams have scored in six of their last seven. They do look like they are beginning to sort things out. The midfield looks a lot tighter. Ndombele looks to be a key player now. He looks to have settled in after having um, a really bad first season. Not in terms of just with his football, because he started okay, but in terms of his relationship with Jose Mourinho. Harry Kane seems to have found a new position for himself where he is able to sit in and instead of doing what he used to do where he used to actually break up fast counter-attacks he now has become a player who's adapted to a quarterback role in terms of yes he does pick up the ball in space but he's now the the trigger of the ball that releases the likes of Kane and Mora and I think Mora's place is going to be in jeopardy here because because of course if Gareth Bale comes into the team or whenever he comes into the team Lucas Mora will be sacrificed and the proposition of Bale and Son is pretty scary I think Tom them look like a very very good side this season and I think they will win this game and it's good value on Tottenham to beat West Ham here and do what they've done in four of the last five games at four to six. The last game on Sunday is a Midlands derby between Leicester City and Aston Villa and these two teams are coming off very very different results. Leicester are coming off a 3-0 home defeat against West Ham whereas Aston Villa are coming off their best result in Premier League history, in my opinion, uh, their best result in Premier League history, a 7-2 win at home to Liverpool. Leicester are the 21-20 favourites here. It's 13-5 the draw, and it's 12-5 on Aston Villa. It's difficult to know what way to go here because it could be a letdown spot and uh, Leicester themselves are looking for a bounce back. I think the safest way to play this one would be to go for the goals again because I do think there'll be a lot of goals around in the Premier League this season and I don't think Aston Villa are necessarily going to go from seven to finding it difficult against this Leicester team who have not really defended too well this season. They are still missing Pereira. They have lost Chilwell. Um, They have managed to replace uh, chill well but I don't think everybody's quite settled in yet and Aston Villa as I said look like a free scoring team who have scored 11 goals in their three Premier League games this season well of course seven of those are against Liverpool uh, Leicester have conceded at least two goals in each of the last four competitive games which is worrying um, Leicester could actually be without first choice centre-back pairing Evans and Sionku here as well which makes them even more um, susceptible to conceding at the back so when you factor all of that in, it makes it very difficult here to take Leicester on the bounce back in this game. I think the safest way to play this one would be to take both teams to score because it's going to be very difficult to envision Leicester keeping a clean sheet. Whereas at the same time with the likes of Jamie Vardy and James Madison in their team, it's going to be difficult to envision Aston Villa keeping Leicester out here, especially when Leicester didn't score in the last home game. So it'd be back-to-back home games without a goal. So both teams to score here is available at 4-6. to six, And that would be my play here for this game, this last game on Sunday. Moving on to Monday, and we have West Brom versus Burnley, where 
West Brom are available at six to four, so your favourites to get their first win of the season. It's twenty-three to ten the draw, and it's fifteen to eight on Burnley. I think this could represent a good opportunity for West Brom to get their first win of the season. However, with Burnley probably not having a whole host of international players going away, uh, Sean Dyche probably would have used this period to get right. So this is a a real toss-up and the prices indicate that. I would just lean towards West Brom getting their first win of the season here and taking them here on the draw no-bet market. This is certainly not a game that I want to bet. I'm only looking at it, of course, because I have to pick every single game on this show and give an opinion on everything. And that would be my lean. This is a West Brom that turned up against Chelsea and battered them for 45 minutes in the first half. They should be able to win this game. They're 4-5 to win it on the double chance, uh, on the on the draw no-bet big market. And at some point, West Brom are going to win a game because they're not Fulham. I don't think their fate is sealed quite as clearly as Fulham's is at the moment. So I think West Brom could pick up their first win of the season here against a Burnley team that haven't started well. I think if um, the season continues to to flow as it is, um, you are going to see the likes of Burnley and Sheffield United struggling because they haven't looked good so far at the start of the season. And obviously you're going to see West Brom and Fulham down there. I think Fulham are already down. It's a bold statement maybe, but I just cannot see them getting out of it. And then I think it's probably going to be two out of the other three because everybody else looks relatively solid. Um, I think next in line, that conversation is Man United are the only team that have looked worse than these four. And uh, aside from that, everybody else has had a relatively solid start. You can't make an argument for Leeds being sucked down there. You can't make an argument for Palace, for Brighton, for Newcastle, for Southampton. You can't make an argument for any of these teams. And um, it does look like it's going to be three from four. Or if you say Fulham are already down, two from three. Up next, we look at Leeds and they are at home to Wolves. They are the six to four favourites to win this game. It's 23 to 10 to draw and it's 15 to eight on Wolves. This is a difficult game to call and I don't want to go down the path of simply looking at the statistical data for Leeds so far this season and saying, okay, it's Leeds. And so far this season, their four games have produced 17 goals. So we'll blindly take an over or we'll blindly take both teams to score. But that is what you have to do with this game because it's very difficult to pick a winner. Um, Leeds are the narrow favourites, but that's taking a look at what they've done so far this season and disregarding what Wolves have done for the last couple of seasons. Yes, Wolves haven't had the best starts, best of starts. Um, they grinded out a win last time at home against Fulham, which we had as a lock. But they would have benefited from this um, international window because it does give players an opportunity to to sort themselves out. They don't have a whole host of international players that would have gone away and played. They would have had international squad players, but there aren't a whole load of international starters in the Wolves team. So I think um, this would be a good opportunity for Wolves to get right. I think this is certainly going to be an entertaining game. I think it's going to have three or four goals in it. But I think what I'm certain about is that both teams are going to find the net here. Leeds' only clean sheet came away to Sheffield United in the game that they dominated. Obviously, you give them a pass for not keeping a clean sheet against Liverpool and not keeping a clean sheet against Manchester City. But it was worrying that they conceded three and a 4-3 win against Fulham. So I certainly expect Wolves to be able to come here and score. But at the same time, Leeds themselves have been free scoring. And the fact that you're getting this 
at 10 to 11 yes and 10 to 11 no, it absolutely has to be a yes from me. So both teams to score in this one in the final game, Leeds Leeds versus Wolves on Monday night. Closing out with a lock on the show. Um, I can't look past the hot hand here of Tottenham. Obviously, a lot of players coming back from the international break, but Tottenham have an extra day to prepare for this game, which I think is going to be key. I think they're going to benefit from having a late kickoff on Sunday afternoon. It gives Jose Mourinho an extra day. Extra day. The potential debut of Gareth Bale, the form of Son, the form of Harry Kane, the solidity in the midfield and the back line. I think Tottenham win this game. They have a good record against West Ham as well. And West Ham just came off a big win away to Leicester. I just do not see them performing on back-to-back occasions away from home. Love this spot here for Tottenham. So they're going to be the lock here at four to six. For the underdog, I've just found out in the last few minutes that Kevin De Bruyne won't be playing for Manchester City. That has been confirmed. So at the moment, you can get Arsenal on the double chance here to avoid a defeat against Manchester City. So Arsenal plus 0.5 and that's available at 13 to 8. I will jump on that as quickly as I can. Manchester City are a very different team without the creativity of Kevin De Bruyne. And considering they lost the last match to uh, to Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final and struggled to deal with Aubameyang, I think Arsenal have a real opportunity here of upsetting the odds. And this gives you the Arsenal win and the draw here at 13 to 8. So that's going to be the dog here on this show. For the parlay, I'm going to go for both teams to score in two matches. Newcastle versus Manchester United and Leicester versus Aston Villa. That parlay actually pays out at 2-1. to one. So if you take £50 on that, you can win 150 4 to 6 in the Leicester game, 4-5 to five in the Newcastle-Manchester United game. Both teams to score in both of those pays out at 2-1, to one, and that is your parlay for the show. That concludes this edition of the EPL show. Don't forget to check out the European show over at lockbetting.com. And also, don't forget to check out the Champions League show. The Champions League is going to be back next week. It's going to be back here on the SGP on Sunday we are going to be dropping a futures preview for you that's going to be coming out round about the time the NFL's on so look out for that and then on Monday nights possibly Tuesday morning you are going to get a preview of Champions League match day one so that's going to be the show that's here on the SGP over at lockbetting.com We are going to do every single game. So if you want every single game analysed at LockBetting.com, we do a Tuesday Champions League show and a Wednesday Champions League show. Here on the SGP, we get the best of shows. So we pick out around about eight to ten games that I want to cover and we cover them here on the SGP from the Champions League mostly the main games but over at lockbetting.com we cover every single game plus we cover the Europa League as well so there's going to be a Europa League preview exclusive to lockbetting.com clients and then there's going to be a Europa League show on Thursday and that's going to be of the format that we use here on the SGP for the Champions League show and for the European show because there's so many Europa League games we're going to look all around Europe we're going to pick the best six to ten games and then we're going to cover it on the Europa League show that's what we do every year Europa League is exclusive to lockbetting.com so to reiterate all the content that's out at the moment 
That's Bundesliga shows already out that should be available to listen to. You're listening to the EPL show right now. Then on Sunday, we will have the Champions League season preview. Then on Monday night, we will have Champions League match day one. Over at LockBetting.com, we'll have a Europa League preview. And then we'll have Europa League match day one as well. We will have Champions League match day one Tuesday and Champions League match day one Wednesday all on lockbetting.com. Then we will have the Bundesliga back next week and the EPL show back next week. And we will have an edition of the Fight Show because next week is UFC 254 and I will be covering that on the Fight Show. So don't forget to check that out. I'll also be touching on WWE Hell in the Cell within the confines of that Fight Show as well. So lots of free money to be given out here on the show. Big, big week here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast and of course, going across to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network because that is the home of the fight show and that's where I'll be doing that show next week. Final thing I'm going to plug here is my NFL show. Me and my buddy Cav have been red hot this season in the NFL. We do a show over at the Dirty Sheets. All you need to do is search for the Dirty Sheets podcast. With my clients, I've been 25 and 10 ATS with the games I wanted to play this season. And over at this NFL show that we do, our free locks have been eight and two. I'm four and one and Cavs four and one. This is a free show you can get on the Dirty Sheets podcast network. Just search the Dirty Sheets. It is our wrestling channel. We do have our wrestling show there. We used to put our NFL show on another network called The Man Show, but we had a legal dispute with MTV because they own the name first and told us that we had to take our podcast down. So we haven't got ourselves a new podcast yet where the NFL would fit because we used to do loads of shows about just general man shit and politics and this and that. And that's where we put the NFL on. We had Ryan and Sean on as guests previously but at the moment we are putting that on the dirty sheets until we set up a new podcast channel when we have time because we have so much stuff going on another thing we have going on at the moment and i'll just get this out there now for those of you that are old school wrestling fans we have a brand new podcast coming out called podcast on a poll i'm doing that with vince russo and cav and for those of you guys that don't know who vince russo is vince russo is the guy who wrote the ww attitude era he's the guy who created Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and wrote for those characters and then he went on and left WWE and ended up working for WCW where he worked with the likes of Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, etc. So he's done it all in the business. The wrestling that you love from the late 90s, Austin, Rock, NWO, you guys will all remember that. He wrote all of that. He was heavily involved and he's going to be talking about his experiences on this new podcast. We're going to go month by month. So when we're talking about January 1997, that's going to be the episode that takes place in January 2021. It's a monthly show with Vince Russo coming on and telling the truths about wrestling's Monday Night War from the late 90s. So it's going to be a show that runs for about three years i'm really excited about doing it. it's taking me ages to get it up and running that's podcast on a poll at podcast on a poll.com so that's all my plugs done and that is the end of this edition of the epl show good luck with all of your bets as always and thanks for listening 
It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Your home is more connected than ever. So when one kid is schooling the competition, got it. The other is getting schooled. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And you're streaming a webinar for work and the latest episode of your favorite show at the same time. Shh. Your Wi-Fi needs to be able to handle it. That's why Xfinity never stops working to bring you faster, more reliable Wi-Fi. So you can do it all, all at the same time. Xfinity. The future of awesome. Learn more at Xfinity.com.